Tonight, I want to talk about responding to opportunities. I know probably everybody's heard the um, cliches of opportunity knocks, right? Or we've all heard that quote before, and, and I know uh, there's a couple quotes that I've seen. Thomas Edison once said, Opportunity is missed by most people because it's dressed in overalls and looks like work. A lot of people think that when they get, get given opportunities, they have to work for something. And so that's what he was talking about there. Or who could forget Milton Berle when he said, if opportunity knocks, build a door, right? And then Henry Ford, he said, failure is, simple. The opportun- or, failure is simply the opportunity to begin again, this time more intelligently. So those are a couple of really good quotes that I've read about opportunities. Um, and there's so many other great quotes about opportunities and the opportunities that we all have. And we do, we live in a world where we have so many opportunities and God has given us so many ways to be able to do different things and he's blessed us in so many different ways and we are truly blessed. And life is made of moments and what we do with those moments and the opportunities that God has given us matter. They matter to him because God cares about what we do with our time because it is the time that God has given to us that we use. One of my favorite quotes that I read is from Pastor O.S. Hawkins, whom I had the pleasure of talking to many, many times for his different books that he's written. Um, And he says, Divine opportunities are all around you every day. Make a conscious effort today to show kindness to someone. I just love that quote that he did. And I once heard someone say, Today is God's gift to you, but how you use it is your gift to him. And this is so true. How we spend our time and how we take hold of the different opportunities that God has given to us in our lifetime, they make an eternal impact, not only on us, but on the world around us. Many of you know who uh, F.W. Woolworth is, but for those who don't know, he was a young, energetic man who began as a clerk at a hardware store. And in the store that he worked at, There were thousands of dollars worth of items that were no longer being made and no longer seemed useful. And a lot of the customers didn't even buy them or look at them. So this young man knew that the company was not making any money by having this inventory just sitting in the back. Um, And so they they weren't making any profit off it. It was just sitting there. It wasn't being sold. And so he convinced the owner of that company who was reluctant when he, when he said something, um, when he was telling him what his idea was, and he wanted him to, he wanted the owner to let him set up a table in the middle of the store and sell some of the older stuff, that stuff that they weren't able to sell. And so Woolworth priced the items on the table at 10 cents, and the sale was a huge success. And so he had an even better idea from this success of this table that he had at this store that he worked at, he opened up a store that would only sell nickel and dime items. He told his boss this idea he had, and his boss said, it will never work, you're crazy. Who's going to buy stuff for a nickel and a dime? And so Woolworth obviously was disappointed about his boss's reaction, but what he did was he put this opportunity that he had to move forward on his own 
and he made a fortune out of it. And it all came up from this opportunity that he had, and he did not give up. And it was the Woolworth, the five and dime store. And it was in existence for a very long time, I think until I think 1997. But he made millions of dollars off of that idea. So he had this great opportunity, and his former boss thought the opportunity was not good. And so he did not take that opportunity. So when we read all throughout the Word of God, we see great men and women of faith who have taken opportunities that God has given to them to make an impact on their world and to lift his name up. We see that Adam and Eve had an opportunity to walk with God. I mean, could you imagine that, walking with God? Uh, just having that interaction and that, that relationship with him like that. Enoch also walked daily with the Lord. And he walked so closely, closely with the Lord that one day he just walked right into his presence. Esther took the opportunity that God had given to her, risking her life to talk to the king that spared her people's lives. And we even see in the New Testament that Paul seized every opportunity that he was given to preach and teach the gospel no matter what. And so tonight, I want to look briefly at two passages of Scripture where Paul talks about how to respond to the opportunities that God has given to us. And so the first verse is Colossians 4, 2 through 6. And it says, Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us, too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I am here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your, let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. In Galatians 6.10, Paul wrote, Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. Heavenly Father, I thank you tonight for this day that you've given us, this day that you've blessed us with, Lord. I pray that we hear your word and we worship you tonight with an undistracted heart as we learn from your word how to respond to the many opportunities that you've given to us, to be thankful, to serve, to be in your presence, and that you reveal the wonders of your word, that you deepen our faith, and that you lead us, and that you lead us always in, the, in, in building each other up with the gifts that you've given to us and the opportunities that you've given to us. As we point to you and you alone, Lord, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. So Paul is saying that we are to be gracious and take every opportunity to do good and be good to everyone, including those who are not believers and those who are believers. So I think that means everyone. That pretty much covers everybody. So Paul is basically telling us, and I'm going to use bad English for those of you who are English majors, Paul is telling us to be do-gooders. I don't know if that's a word or not. Be a do-gooder. So God wants us to shine his light in every place to everyone we meet, every situation that we find ourselves in, because life 
is full of opportunities and how we respond to these opportunities shows others how much we love Jesus and how much God loves them. God wants us to love one another. He wants us to pray for one another. He wants us to stand with one another. He wants us to bear each other's burdens, especially those who we call brothers and sisters in Christ. So in Colossians 3, 1 to 4, 6, Paul gives a personal and practical real life and real world application of the working out of God's grace in a follower of Christ's life. We wake up every single day with a new opportunity to serve God. We wake up every single morning with a new opportunity to worship God. And we see this throughout the Word of God. And what I love about this passage of Scripture is that Paul clearly tells them that he is in chains. If you read that, he's saying, I am in chains because of what I am teaching and preaching. So he's in prison for preaching the gospel. And you know, he could have done this prayer and he could have said, you know, I pray that you get me out of these chains because we have seen in several different instances where the chains were broken and the doors were open. He could have prayed, please me get, get me out of this pr- prison or please send me some money to get me out of here. But he didn't. He asked them to pray for him that an open door to the word goes out. So he's not asking for any of his personal needs. He wants them to pray devotedly. He wants them to pray earnestly. And he wants them to pray with a thankful heart that God will open up the door for the word. And as the NLT translation says, that it gives us many opportunities to speak about his mysteriously, mysterious plan concerning Christ. So Paul's not praying personally or selfishly for himself to get out of prison. He's praying that the gospel, even where he is right there in prison, gets preached. So Paul is making this passionate plea that these believers pray for him and Timothy that they can continue to teach and preach Christ. And so the mystery of Christ that he's speaking about is no longer a secret. It's a revealed in the Word of God, the gospel message. It was hidden in the, and anticipated in the Old Testament, but it's revealed in Christ to all people. So Paul wanted them to pray that God would continue to open up the doors of opportunity to preach the good news where they were. Even if it's to just these jailers and these other prisoners, he wanted the Word of God to get preached. And so the first thing that we can learn from this passage of Scripture on how we are to respond to opportunities is that we should always pray for opportunities. We should always pray for opportunities. Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us too that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. When we are in Christ, prayer should characterize our life. It's important that we talk to God about others before we talk to others about God. We are to seek God diligently in prayer as we live in this world and when we interact with both believers and unbelievers. It says to devote or continue in prayer. So this means don't give up. Don't give up praying. Don't give up praying for those that you've been praying for on a daily basis. If it's family or if it's friends 
or if it's your neighbors or your coworkers or your community or our leaders, don't give up praying. Continue. Devote yourself in prayer because prayer is our power source. When we devote ourselves in prayer and we pray that the and we pray in harmony with God's will, he hears us according to his perfect will and his timing. In 1 John 5, 14 and 15, it says, and this is the confidence we have. What confidence do we have? John continues, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. That's the confidence that we have. We have confidence in this. We're bold in that. God hears our prayers when we're aligned with his will. So prayer should be consistent. You know, we're consistent in a lot of things. You know, there's even articles, if you search online, it'll give you 13 ways to be consistent or keys to being consistent. So we're always looking for ways to grow and we as Christ followers always need to focus on being consistent in our prayers. I remember talking to a friend who was struggling with something that I struggled with before and I told him how the Lord transformed my life. And I went to the Lord in prayer, and I talked to God before I even talked to my friend. And I asked that the Holy Spirit would guide me in what I say to him and how I say to, things to him. But I made sure that what I talked about with my friend is that I pointed to Jesus because Jesus is the one that broke me free of all of my uh, struggles that I had and he continues for any of the struggles that I have. And so we have to make sure that we're pointing to Jesus for all that he's done in our lives. Remember, it's God who opens the doors of opportunities, not us. So we should always be watchful and alert, as Paul says, so that we know that God is opening a door of opportunity for us. You know, sometimes these opportunities that God gives us, the doors are already open but we don't realize that they're open because many times our focus isn't on God and his will and his plan for our lives, but our focus is on ourselves instead and our current trials or our problems that we may be facing. So this is why prayer is so very important to us. And it's so very important to Paul and his writings too when he encourages the church um, because prayer was important to Jesus as well as we see. One thing that I always find interesting is that one of the only times that the disciples asked Jesus to teach them something was when they asked him to teach them to pray. You know, I would think after they were walking with Jesus and seeing the many things that Jesus uh, did and said, I would have thought maybe, you know, hey, you know, teach us to walk on water, or teach us to turn the water into wine. But there was something about watching Jesus pray that made them want to know how to pray. You know, there was something powerful about Jesus praying and the way that Jesus prayed showed something of his relationship with God the Father. In Luke 11, 1, it says, the disciples said to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. Notice also that the disciples didn't say, Jesus, teach us how to pray, but teach us to pray. You know, they already knew how to pray, it was something that they were taught ever since they were younger when they were little, little kids. You know, their parents, they taught them. You know, they were told, you know, to recite these prayers and memorize these prayers. But they saw Jesus' prayer life and they wanted that same relationship that he had with the Father. And so, Lord, 
teach us to pray is a great response to the opportunities because we can say, Lord, teach me how to pray for this. Teach me to pray for this issue I'm going through or this issue that my friend is going to. Teach me how to pray for that. You know, he has given us this prayer because prayer is conversation. Prayer is vital to our relationship with God. Prayer is being in intimacy with God. It's being honest with God. And it's showing our dependency that we have on him. Our greatest need today is for us to simply pray and to pray every single day in all circumstances. You know, the church was born out of prayer. And we see that in the book of Acts. In chapter 1, you know, we read about how the church was born out of prayer and they gathered together and they prayed together. And as we continue to read in Acts, they, the church continued in prayer. And so Paul here is telling them to continue in prayer, meaning to be continuously in prayer. Give your attention to or be devoted to prayer. To hold on to prayer strongly. And while you're doing that, be alert in your prayers. And ask the Lord to guide and lead you into the opportunities to talk to others about him. Secondly, in this verse, we see that we have an opportunity to be thankful. An opportunity to be thankful. It says, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Be thankful for the opportunities that God's given to us. Even when you can't see why something is happening or why something has happened, be thankful for those opportunities that he's given to you. We see uh, so many great examples of thankfulness in the Bible. And so we have an opportunity daily to be thankful in all things. Um, another time when Paul was in prison, we read in Acts 16, it says, Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. So here they are in prison, praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations, and the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. So in this instance, God did uh, break them free from the sins and open up the doors. Uh, and so our response to our opportunity to be thankful should be worship. You know, it's, I always get that great picture in my mind of these two men in prison, in a dirty prison there, and here they are worshiping the Lord and singing hymns to him. It was so intense that it says that all the other prisoners were listening. They were all listening. So our response to our opportunity to be thankful is worship. It says in Psalm 34.1, I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. Ephesians 5.18 and 20 says, Be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among ourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18, always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Being thankful in all circumstances. Not being thankful for all circumstances, but we need to be thankful in all circumstances. It's a very hard thing, I think, for us to do. I know it is for me, you know, but that's the proper response. 
You know, even if we have something like a blown out tire or something like that. You know, I remember reading a uh, story about a pastor who was on his way to one of the biggest revivals that he got invited to of his time. And as he was driving this long distance to go to this revival, he was driving and he was worshiping the Lord. He was singing. And then all of a sudden he heard a thud and kum, kum, kum. And he knew, obviously, something happened and something was wrong. So the pastor got out of his car and he saw that he had a flat tire. So he went to his truck, went into the trunk, and he found that he did not have a spare tire. So he asked himself, what could get worse than this? And so he called his insurance company and they told him that a tow truck would be on the way to help him out in about two hours. So hearing this, he knew that he was not going to make this revival in time. So he asked God to get the help that he needed to get him back on the road to make this revival. Well, a little over two hours later, the tow truck driver came and the driver was very nice and they started talking and he put the car on the hook and the pastor asked the driver, you know, if you could just hurry up just a little bit, I have a place to be and I'm needed there. And so if we could just hurry up and get to this tire shop so I can get a new tire and then I'll be on the road and everything will be good. And so while they were driving, the driver asked the pastor, where are you going looking so sharp in your little three-piece suit there? And the pastor told the driver that he was a pastor and he was speaking at this great revival where probably hundreds and hundreds of people are going to hear about Jesus and get saved. And if the driver could just hurry up a little bit you know, and get to the tire shop so that he could hurry up and get there so that people can hear the gospel message that he's been given. And so the driver told the pastor, he would get there as soon as I can. And so then it seemed like an hour of driving with this uh, tow truck driver. And so the pastor was getting a little bit frustrated. And so the driver began to tell the pastor that he was going through some hard times. And it just didn't seem as if God was there or even cared for him. And as the pastor heard him, and as he gave the pastor a long list of everything that's been happening in his life, it was just then that the pastor thought about what he had prayed earlier. He prayed that God would get him back on the road where he needed to be at this revival. But we didn't, did not realize is that right there in that tow truck with that man is where the pastor needed to be. This is exactly where God wanted him to be. And so the pastor spoke to this man at the tire shop for two more hours and he led this man to Christ. And it was then that the pastor realized that it was this man that needed the revival in his heart and that it was this man that God had brought to him and he was so thankful for this opportunity to share the love of Jesus with that man. And so you see, this pastor was so focused on where he thought God wanted him to be, and he found out that God had placed him exactly where he needed to be right at that right moment. So when you pray that God gives you opportunities to speak about him and share your faith with others, let him lead you. And if you take a slight detour off the path that you think you should be going, thank him for that, because he will lead you to those that need you if you let him. So we can be thankful for so many things, including being thankful for the opportunity to worship and serve. 
We have so many opportunities to serve God and others. In our communities, there's so many different community food banks and different things that we can serve at. Um, here at Woodland, we have so many different uh, ministries and, and just so many different ways that you can serve here. Um, so we need to just start making time for that because that's part of our thankfulness and worship to the Lord is serving others. And so Paul encourages believers to have a lifestyle of prayer and thanksgiving to God. And so that means make quality time alone with the Lord. You know, we as believers in Christ have the opportunity to have direct access to God through prayer. And it's because of Jesus' death on the cross that we, as followers of Christ, have direct access to the throne of God through Jesus Christ, who is our high priest. It says in Hebrews 4, 14 to 16, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. And so the author of Hebrews encourages us and he tells us that we have an opportunity to respond to God by approaching the throne of grace with confidence and boldness, ready to speak. That's quite a privilege if you think about it. I mean, if we were invited to a throne of a king or a queen or even the president of the United States, you know, we couldn't just go up and approach them. You know, we would be obligated to observe their protocols that they have, and we would even have to have permission to speak to them. You know, we would have to use proper wording to accept the invitation, and the women would have to wear white gloves and hats, and men would have to wear, you know, dress clothes and uniforms and decorations. And, you know, in the presence of the queen, women would have to curtsy and men would have to bow. You know, the queen would be addressed her majesty. The king and queen would have to take the initiative with regard to the conversation, and we would not be expected to steer the conversation in a different direction. But that's not the way it is with our God. Our God, we can come boldly and honestly to him because we are children of God. We are adopted into God's family. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, as Romans says. While it is ever so much grander to enter it into God's presence than it is a king and queen's presence, we can do so with confidence that we've been brought into the family of God and that God loves us even more than we can even love our own children. You know, so we shouldn't imagine that we will approach God's throne of grace only after his death and resurrection. Every time we go to God in prayer, we are approaching his throne of grace. And so we should be respectful and we should be honest and we should be loving and we should be worshipful when we do that. And so when we stay alert in our prayer with thanksgiving and we daily pray for opportunities, then we will have the opportunity to share the gospel with others. So we'll have an opportunity for the gospel. Colossians 4.4, Paul says, Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. We are given an opportunity every day to proclaim the message of the gospel to everyone we come in contact with, no matter what our circumstances are. Remember that Paul is writing to this church saying that he is in prison 
for preaching the gospel. And he's not saying, I'm warning you not to be so bold in preaching the gospel. And he's not saying, you're going to end up prison, in prison if you do this. And he's not saying, only preach the gospel when you feel like it or if you feel safe to do so. No, Paul is asking them to pray for him that even in prison, bound by these chains, that he will boldly and clearly proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, even if it's to the other prisoners. Because Jesus said in Mark 16, 15, to go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. We don't live on some little island called Christian Island, which is for Christians only. We have a mission. God has placed each and every one of us in our communities, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our workplaces, in our families to tell others about Jesus. In 1 Peter, he says that we are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. Why? So that we can show others the goodness of God because he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. And so we're to live in a different way. We're to talk in a different way. We're to do things that are different from how the world does things. We are to be the salt and the light of the world. Jesus said, let your light shine before all men. And we as passionate followers of Christ have been given this great opportunity to teach others how to follow and obey Christ. The great commission that we have been given is enabled by the power of the Holy Spirit and we can fulfill this great commission in our country, in our state, in our community, in our neighborhoods, and in our families, and anywhere else that God will send us. We are to proclaim the message clearly, and as Paul writes, to proclaim it graciously and attractively, or as other translations say, seasoned with salt. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Our holiness and the fact that we live differently should be attractive to other people in this world. The way that we should live, the way that we live for God should make people want to be able to live like us. It should prompt others to want to be like that. They, want, they should want to have that hope that we have. And so we must be gracious in our speech when we're talking to others about our faith and about Jesus. I know that this can be challenging sometimes because we live in a fallen world and we all have bad days and we have a lot of bumps in, in the roads and a lot of trials and troubles. But as we are going through these bad days, we still have to have our lives and live our lives like Christ and our speech still needs to be seasoned with salt because Paul also says in Colossians 4, 5, to live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most out of every opportunity, walking wisely. It's the way that we behave when we're around others. We are different. We're new creations in Christ. And those who are not believers in Christ look at us and they can't wait until we mess up. They can't wait until we act not Christ-like. Before we even open our mouths, others are watching the way that we act in the good times and in the not-so-good times. So if we're not living a holy Christ-like life, then others will not want anything to do with Jesus. So let your life preach before your mouth does because we've been given an opportunity to be Christ's ambassadors. 
We as passionate followers of Christ need to make the most of every opportunity that God gives us every single day. We are given a limited time here on earth and we need to take the opportunity to share the gospel, the good news to others. Stop being afraid and start being a bold witness for Jesus. This is how we can make the most of every single opportunity that God gives us. And so lastly, I want to take some time to encourage you not to miss opportunities. There's several missed opportunities that we have. And when I thought about missed opportunities, I went right to the football season. And I was thinking about football. And my dad and I loved football. We used to go to Detroit Lions games a lot. We used to go to their practices with Daniel. We would watch Michigan football. We'd watch the Lions games. And I remember, I don't know if anybody remembers this, but in the year 2000, the Lions had an opportunity to to draft the great Michigan quarterback, Tom Brady, in the NFL draft in the first round. But they chose Stocker McDougal from Oklahoma instead. In fact, every single team missed this opportunity to pick Tom Brady in the first round because he didn't get drafted that year until the sixth round. And so it was a missed opportunity that they all had. And so I thought about that, but I know that there's a greater missed opportunity that is greater than football, greater than anything else, and that's when we miss the opportunities that God has given to us. And so I think about that. I think about several of the missed opportunities that I may have missed. But don't miss the opportunities that God has given to us. And most importantly, the opportunity that I don't want you to miss tonight is trusting Jesus as your Savior. So if you're here tonight or if you're watching online and you're a follower of Jesus, but you feel far away from your Heavenly Father, I want to encourage you to remember the story that Jesus told about the prodigal son. This story is one of my favorite because it focuses on the son who left the father for a foreign land. It also focuses on the other son who stayed and was upset when his brother came back to this big fanfare and a picture of the loving father who welcomed his wayward son back home. The son foolishly left his father, asking him for his portion, and the father loved his son so much that he made sure that his son had the portion of his inheritance. But the son, we know, was wasteful with what the father gave him. And when, we lo- when he lost it all, he ended up in the pig's pen at the lowest moment that he could imagine himself being at. And he finally came to his senses and returned home. And so while the son was away, was he still his father's son? Yes. Even though he was wayward and rebellious in a distant land, he never stopped being his father's son. Was he keeping himself in a place where his father could show him love and shower him with his blessings? No, he was not. The father may not have even known where his son was, but when he came back, I love what it says in Luke 15, 20, that the father saw him coming and filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. This is the story of a father's love. When the, fa- when the son came back to the father, he welcomed him home. He took off his rags of clothes, he put new clothes on him, put a ring on his finger, and threw a party for him. The son was now in a place where the father could actively show his love towards him. 
So I want to remind you tonight that God will forgive you and welcome you back into his open arms because he is our loving father and you can be fully restored. You can't undo the wasted years or missed opportunities, but we can always look forward to our relationship with our heavenly father. Our heavenly father forgives us. Forget what's behind you. Don't live in regret. Look forward. Continue to look forward. Like the waiting father in this parable, we serve a God that welcomes us home because you are always on his heart. You never leave his thoughts. There's nothing more important to the Father than you. And secondly, if you're not a follower of Christ, I urge and plead with you, don't miss this opportunity. God has given you so many opportunities to believe in him. He has placed so many people in your life that talk about him. This is an urgent matter. So if you're here tonight or if you're watching online and you don't know Christ as your Savior, you right now have the opportunity to place your trust in Christ. In Matthew 20, it says, As Jesus and the disciples left the town of Jericho, a large crowd followed behind. Two blind men were sitting beside the road. When they heard that Jesus was coming that way, they began shouting, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Be quiet, the crowd yelled at them. But they only shouted louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. When Jesus heard them, he stopped and he called, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, they said, we want to see. Jesus felt sorry for them and he touched their eyes and instantly they could see. Then they followed him. These blind men knew about Jesus, but they really needed to know Jesus. And the crowd tried to stop them. And they told them to be quiet. But they were not going to let this opportunity of Jesus passing by them. They did not want to miss this opportunity because they may have never gotten an opportunity to call upon the name of Jesus after this. And so this is the one opportunity that Jesus was walking by them. Don't let that opportunity pass you by. We're not promised tomorrow. Don't let the crowd tell you to be quiet or tell you that a life of following Jesus isn't worth it. Right now where you are, you can call out, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on me. Because Jesus will always respond to you when you call on him. Jesus stopped and he asked these men, what do you want me to do for you? Even though their need was obvious, just as our need for our Savior is obvious, they said, Lord, we want to see. Jesus had compassion for them. He touched them and immediately they could see. And their response was that they followed him. Jesus can open up your eyes tonight spiritually. Please know that only Jesus can save you from your sins. Only Jesus can open your blind eyes and help you see. You need to believe in God's promises that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So Jesus is asking you tonight, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? 
What better response to this opportunity than to say, open the eyes of my heart, Lord, that I may see you and follow you. Father, we thank you again for the word that you've given to us tonight. I pray that as we continue through our week, that we continue to prioritize our daily prayer and that we continue to focus on you and that all that you've blessed us with, that we are thankful for, Lord. And I pray that we continue to embrace the opportunities that you give to us daily to speak about you, to point others to you, and that we cultivate a thankful heart in all that we do and all that we say. I pray, Lord, that your gospel will continue to spread and that we seize any opportunity that you give to us to have the wisdom to see the open doors and that we are clear and gracious and compassionate as we communicate to others about you and that you use us every day for your glory. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen.